How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh. Add some steam, sizzle, and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age comic book podcast, Flea Market Fantasy. I'm your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. That's right. This week, it is your pick, and you decided to follow the theme of toy tie-ins from last week, right? Yeah, you did, the, you did the Transformers last week, so I That's thought right. we'll uh, keep things rolling, and we're going to go ROM, the Space Woo! Knight. That's right. Issue 9 from 1980. And Michael, do you have any history with ROM? Well, I don't have a history with ROM, but I've read some ROM. Well, that counts as history. Okay. Yeah, yeah. like, it's one of those ones that I didn't really read as a kid. But, you know, uh, it's Bill Mantlo, who everybody loves Bill Mantlo, right? And it's drawn by Sal Buscema, our pal, Sal. Yeah. Everybody loves yeah. Sal Buscema, so I've read a couple issues for sure. Yeah, we'll get into the creators here in a bit, but... Um... Rom. I had never read any Rom. Really? I just remember as a kid seeing the, the ads in the comic book. Because they would have like a big full page ad of like where you could buy the toy or whatever, you know? Sure. And uh, yeah, describe what Rom looks like for the kids, Michael. Okay. Well, should, are we going to talk about the toy later? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he. His most distinctive feature is his face. He has like this strange robotic. Like, and let's be clear, I, you and I are going to talk about this later. We, I kind of didn't know this either, but he is a human inside, but all you can see is his armor. So his head, well, or, or he's flesh technically, inside. Technically, he's not wearing a suit. He is a cyborg. Okay, he's part, okay. part human, part machine. So that machine stuff is grafted right into his body. Whoa, okay. So, so his yeah. head is like kind of, what's it, not square, what's it, like kind of cube and he's got like this opening where, her, where you can see his red eyes coming through, like this black strip, and then red red eyes are coming through. Um, he's got like silver kind of armor, like covering up this humanoid body. So his torso has got like weird shoulder pad things, a little like uh, almost like an air thing on his chest. What's that called? Like an air vent. <laughs> air thing. Kind of yeah, yeah. and then like red lights on his chest and six little knobs sticking out some weird things on his abs <laughs> and then like these funky boots and then basically his arms and his thighs are somewhat humanoid but they're covered in like you know chrome skin like metallic skin and uh, he's always hold holding on. this what's that i have the official name for that skin here in a minute um, okay but he's also pl holding plandanium a... armor plandanium armor okay and he's holding this um He's always holding this doohickey, which I believe he names in the story, right? <laughs> well, he has three doohickeys. Okay. Um, and they're, they're, like, contained in subspace. So they're, like, he can awesome. pull them out of thin air. And cool. the, the weapon he uses is called the synthesizer. Okay. And that's the one you probably have, mo if you've known, if you've seen ROM, that's probably the one you've seen. It's kind of like a ray gun, but the, uh, the end of it, instead of, like, a pistol, it's, like, uh, I, I guess if you think of an equal sign cut in half 
and then okay. half of it yeah. stuck onto a board. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, it flashes red. And then he also has the uh, analyzer, which helps him analyze things. And he also has a universal translator, which helps him translate things. <laughs> so there you go. Those are the three weapons. <laughs> but yeah, he looks like a robot, but he's a cyborg. All right. He's a cyborg. And we mentioned he was a toy. Uh, the toy was created by three fellas, Scott Dankman, Richard C. Levy, and Brian L. McCoy. They're very good. Uh, Brian L. McCoy, I guess uh, he was probably the main guy, and they call him Bing. Bing McCoy. Bing McCoy, really? Yeah, that's, that's a good nickname. Bing. Okay. And uh, they originally called uh, Rom, they, his original name was COBOL, after the computer programming language. Oh, now, do you know what COBOL stands for, Michael? COBOL, I've never heard of it. It's like something like Common Business Office Language or something. I don't okay. know. Something like that. And uh, they sold the rights to the Parker Brothers, or, you know, licensed it to Parker Brothers or whatever, and they changed the name to ROM after read-only memory. Cool. So that's what the ROM's for. And because Parker Brothers, this was their first venture away from board games. Like, ROM was their first... Uh, crack at making other toys really okay but because they were doing that they they made them as cheaply as they possibly could so mm -hmm. that meant like few articulation points like his knees and arms didn't bend or anything and his eyes were originally supposed to be green okay. but putting in the leds uh it was cheaper to use red so interesting okay. <laughs> that's why they got the red eyes um yeah but rom was one of the first toys to have like a little chip inside it so he could uh, light up and beep and buzz and stuff. Okay. So it was like revolutionary in sure. 1979 when all this was going on. And Rom was actually on the cover of the December 10th, issue, December 10th 1979 issue of Time Magazine. Come like, on. Not, not like the full cover. But back then they would have like in the top right corner, they'd have a little peel down. And then they'd have something, a picture up there teasing an article inside. And Rom is in that corner. And it's <laughs> a... And it's because it was like Christmas time. So they said uh, something about the beeping, buzzing toys for Christmas or something. And Rom was featured. I, I just looked it up. It says those thinking toys. <laughs> Wait, what is it? What was the official thing? Those thinking toys. Yeah, there's thinking toys because they got microchips. Wow. And okay. um, so, but the article inside criticized Rom for his lack of articulation. Mm. <laughs> and, and it summed it up by saying, quote, uh, Rom is destined to end up among the dust balls under the playroom sofa. Yikes. So, yeah, not so good. Um, so Parker Brothers licensed Marvel to create a comic to hype up the toy. Marvel president Jim Galton knew that the company had had success with the Micronauts. Like, uh, I guess around the same time, maybe. I don't know right. when the Micronauts came out. 78, 79, something like that. Have you ever read any Micronauts? Oh, yeah, for sure, because Michael Golden drew it. And it's also written oh. by Bill Mantlow, so... Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about why Mantlow's getting all these gigs in a minute. But, um, yeah, so Jim uh, Galton wanted another toy line because he, he made money with Micronauts. He's like, hey, let's do it again. Let's make some more money. So he brought in Jim Shooter, and he showed him the idea of ROM, so Shooter cut the deal, and they, they uh, and Shooter fleshed out, like, the basic story of ROM's background. Mm -hmm. And then Mantlow took over, and... Um, Sabusima, of course, was on the art initially. Right. They ultimate, the toy ultimately sold between 200 and 300,000 uh, units in the U.S., and that was considered a failure. Okay. 
That seems pretty good, though, but, I mean, I don't know. It was a failure back then. Right. So, uh, Parker Brothers just abandoned the line. Okay. The comic outlasted the toy. The, right. uh, the, the comic ran for 75 issues and four annuals between December of 1979 and February of 1986. That's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy that it was still going in 86. Mm -hmm. Right. Mantlo wrote all 75 issues <laughs> and all four annuals. And uh, Jim Shooter has an article. Like, Shooter used to do a blog. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, he doesn't do it anymore. I think the last one was maybe in 2016. But uh, he wrote one on ROM, and he told the backstory of how it came into be and everything. Um, they said they had a lot of trouble getting someone to do the cover of First You One. They want, couldn't get it right. Uh, do you know who ended up doing the cover of First You One? I'm looking at it. I'm just going to guess John Romita Sr. Uh, Frank? Frank Miller. Come on. Wow. Yeah, that's way it's Frank off. Miller. Okay. Yeah. Um, he did it like in one night and they gave okay. it to him because they were crunched on the deadline. Uh, but he talked about Mantlo and why he got the gig. He said, Mantlo, you know, he's a great guy. Um, he's always desperate for work. He would take anything. Okay. Like, like he was willing to do anything. So uh -huh. that's why he kind of got saddled with Rom and I guess the Micronauts and he would get these toy things because no one else wanted to do them. And Shooter said, Mantlo was always like the guy when you couldn't find anyone else to do it, uh, you brought you up Mantlo, you know? And yeah, I think he also did Transformers number maybe two, I think, two to four maybe. He definitely did yeah. a few of them. So Mantlo was like the creative safety net, you know, right. when you needed something, you got Mantlo. He wasn't the best writer, Shooter mm -hmm. said, like they had to do a lot of stuff to get his scripts up to par, mm -hmm. <laughs> but he was always ready and willing and he always hit deadlines. So that's why editors loved him, you know, because he was right. always there. So that's Bill Mantlo. Um, so, yeah, Sal Buscema did the uh, art for the first 55 issues. And then he also did issues 57 and 58. Do you know who took over in issue 59? Not Michael Golden, right? No. Oh, was it Jackson Guise or Geis? S Steve Ditko. Come on, really? Yeah, Ditko was back looking for work on Marvel and... Um, Shooter was trying to find him stuff, and he, and he knew Sal wouldn't care if he'd go off ROM because he had so much else to do, so he put Ditko on ROM, and Ditko finished out the run from 59 to 75. Hmm. Actually, I might have known that. Yeah, I think I did. Oh, sure. Easy to say now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we've talked about Mantlo and Buscema and their history a lot on the show, so we don't have to go into all that. But, um, yeah, it's interesting because I never knew Ditko drew ROM. I had no mm -hmm. idea. All right, so Rom, the character, that's his real name, the humanoid name. His name was Rom on his home planet. And his home planet was Galador. Okay. Galador. Now, Jim Shooter said he came up with that name uh, for Rom, but apparently he also used it in an old Superman book. Really? Like, people went back and found that he'd used it in Superman at one point. Oh, so. in the 60s, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, as we mentioned, he is a cyborg. And because his home planet, Galador, it was like a uh, utopia, you know, an idyllic mm -hmm. planet. Everyone was getting along. And then some bad dudes called the Dire Wraths came in. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about the Dire Wraths, Michael? Uh, not really. I just know they kind of look like oddly shaped humanoids with like long fingers. That is incorrect. Uh, <laughs> like, they're actually, well, they, they're shapeshifters. So ah, right, technically right, right. they could look like that, but their, their natural form is like this red, 
uh, almost like a fat demonic dog with a long yeah. tongue. Yeah. Oh, but okay. I must be looking at something else then. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you're trying to cheat. That's yeah, well, I'm, I'm skimming through. I was trying to find pictures of the toy, but anyway. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know about their toy version. I don't know if they made a toy of them. I doubt it. But the, okay. in the comic books, they're like, you know, red, uh, chubby, mm -hmm. demonic, demonic dogs with long t uh, tongues. And they're actually an offshoot of the Skrulls, like genetically. Oh, so like they were like the deviant version of the Skrulls that got into like black magic and they became the dire wraths and they were like... Okay kicked out of the scrolls <laughs> they said hey you gotta get out of here <laughs> yeah so they started on their own world uh wrath world i believe it's called and then they started to wanted to conquer other planets so they went into galador and in order to fight off the wraths the leader on galador i believe was his name was the prime director they came mm -hmm. up with this scheme to make cyborg space knights and okay. rom was the first volunteer and they made him into a space knight, and they made a bunch of other space knights, but Rom was like the first and the, the best space knight. Mm -hmm. And the deal was, if you sacrifice to save Galador, you know, when everything's done, we'll come back and we'll restore you, him, your humanity. Because apparently whatever they did to take out of their bodies to put the robot stuff in, they kept it preserved in like a jar or something. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. so we'll, we'll restore your humanity. But Rom... He wasn't satisfied when they just drove away the dire wraths <clears throat> from their home planet. He chased them throughout the universe. And he, and he chased them back to their home planet of Wrathworld. And he was still trying to kill them all. And they tricked them somehow. And they escaped. And they started going out throughout the universe and to other planets. So Rom felt he was responsible for letting them get away. So he is still obsessed with tracking them down. And, and he tracked them down to Earth. So that's how he came to Earth. Because the dire wraths are on Earth, but they're using their shape-shifting powers, because they are scrolls, sort of. So they they take on humanoid forms on Earth. Then when the Rom finds them, his analyzer, that other tool, can tell mm -hmm. him that they're uh, dire wraths. Then he uses his neutralizer gun to shoot them, <laughs> and it doesn't technically kill them. It puts them into another dimension of called limbo. Right. They go into limbo, but on Earth. Uh, they're reduced to ash. And so when people, when Earthlings see Rom, this robot, going around shooting people, turning them to ash, they think, this guy's crazy. He's murdering humans. Mm -hmm. We need to stop him. This crazy robot. He's on a killing rampage. A rampage, Michael. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually, he's destroying dire rats and saving the Earth. So it's the old switcheroo, like how the cops always think Spider-Man's bad, you know, so... Right, um, right, right, right. So it always creates a lot of external conflict. To, right. So Rom's kind of like a wanted criminal, even though he's a ribbit. So there you go. That's Rom. And when he's on Earth, I guess uh, he gets a female sidekick uh, called Brandy Clark. Okay. Uh, she might be in this issue. I can't even remember. Um, and, and she eventually becomes a space knight as well at some point. Cool. So there you go. I think that's all the now, backstory for Rom. Now, in your research, did you come across the space... Because we have to point out, this is a licensed property, so Marvel eventually lost the license. Yes. And even though... So, when I was growing up, you know, in the 80s, when I would read Marvel Universe, all these characters had entries in the Marvel Universe. Rom, the Diaraths, yeah. uh, whatever, right? They were all in there. Um, and then, like, the Space Knights was a huge entry for all the Space Knights. And they had all these weird names like Sunshine and stuff like that. 
But anyway, yeah, that's Mar- that's uh, Brandy Clark. I think she became like uh, Sun, something like that. Sunshine. Yeah, something or, like that. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Marvel actually did a revival of just the Space Knights in the '90s. So there's a comic book called Space Knights, and it's got all the all basically everything they could use except Rom himself, right? Because they didn't have the rights to Rom. So yeah, it was kind of a cool idea. And and even just listening to this, you know, summary or whatever, it's like this would be a great movie, I think. Yeah, it good. is a good idea. And yeah. they uh, they actually were. I read on Wikipedia that they were actually planning a movie of some sort with Rom, GI Joe, and a bunch of other toy properties that were all going to be in one universe kind of right and i guess someone was working on the script in 2018 but uh, i don't know um one other note about the the rom because we've mentioned bill mantlo his sad story he was hit by a car and he's been in uh rehab living in a rehab center you know ever since and so a bunch of creators got together i think around 2014 or 16 something like that and they redid issue one of rom and they had like 20 different artists recreate it. They each drew one page and mm-hmm. all the proceeds went to Bill Mantlo's care. So that's nice. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, so there you go. That's, that's the ROM. Um, oh, one other feature about the ROM, uh, his body, uh, he, it kind of looks like he's wearing uh, metal mittens. Like he doesn't have fingers. It's true. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little weird. But, uh, it is. I don't know. So, all right. Um, <clears throat> I guess we're good for the issue then, Michael. All right. Sweet. Uh, okay, so you want to talk about the cover? Yes. All right. Rom Space Knight, number nine, 40 cents. We got the Marvel Comics ribbon across the top. We've got the corner box. We've done a couple issues in a row where we had the corner circle, right? But this is the corner box. Uh, and that's a great picture of Rom in the corner box. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, that doesn't look like Bissima, though. I don't know. No, I don't know who it would be, but yeah, you're right. It doesn't look like him. But he yeah, he's re- got the glowing red eyes, and it also looks like he has glowing red nipples. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that. yeah, it's just like if you see his armor on, on in the toy and all that, yeah, he's got little lights that come through there as well. I guess little LED lights. But yeah, he's like looking up, and like there's all space behind him and whatever. It's a really cool shot. So that we got, yeah, so this issue, we got this funky colored logo, yellow and green logo, which I stole for the thumbnail colors. We've got <laughs> Beware Serpentine or Serpentine, depending on how you pronounce it. Yeah, I don't know. What do you want to go with? Serpentine? I guess Serpentine, sure. I have no idea. Like Either turpentine. way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then, uh, and basically, I mean, I didn't even look, but I know that this cover is drawn by Michael Golden, right? That is correct. That's why I picked it. Awesome. So I just uh, went through the covers, and I knew you like Michael Golden, so I'm like, oh, he drew a bunch of covers for Rom, actually. He's so good. Like, I love this cover. Um, As we, yeah, we talked about him many times, but he's definitely the predecessor of Todd McFarlane. Like, McFarlane ripped off a lot of his, oh, not yeah. ripped off, but influenced by him. Um, Shooter said it was easier to get people to do covers because uh, you could get bigger name, like, no big name artist really wanted to work on Rom because it was a toy. But you could get a lot of good artists to do covers because uh, they paid more and the artist could then sell the original artwork. Uh, see, <laughs> this explains a lot because Michael Golden did covers for Transformers, G.I. Joe, now at ROM. He did interiors for Mic- Micronauts. But, I mean, I've met Michael Golden a bunch of times and he's 
seems cool, but he's very clearly running a business. Yes. Like, yeah. His table, I don't know if you've ever seen him at conventions, but his table is just a gigantic booth of prints. And his uh, agent, Renee Witterstater, is just pumping those prints. If you come <laughs> within, you know, smelling distance of that table, she's trying to sell you something. Anyway, I just remember watching an interview with him when he was just talking about it's a business. It's not really. He doesn't love comics. Right? It's just a business. Right. So like, oh, all right. It's kind of heartbreaking, but. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, we got Rom, a great shot of Rom standing in like uh, water up to his knees. And yeah. uh, or I guess halfway up the calf, I guess. And then there's uh, a bunch of skulls and ribs and bones in the water. Right, right. And, and he's reflected in the water and then sneaking up behind him is serpentine, right? Yeah, and he looks like uh, like a big dragon uh, lizard kind of guy, right? With, uh, like a walking the sword and a gun, or something. Yeah, yeah. And like the shadows on him are incredible and serpentine. The like everything about Rom looks great too. Like the way the light is kind of coming up from the bottom, so there's shadows on his back and on his side. It's just great. Yeah, and like even though he's a robot, like we talked about that armor is on him. It's almost like skin, so you see the muscles in his legs and arms. And right, you know. right. And I know you mentioned Todd McFarlane, but I also got to mention Art Adams. Like you can clearly see Art Adams yes. was scooping, you know, Michael Golden's anatomy here. Like absolutely. Especially like in the forearm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely looks like an Art Adams forearm. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. So. Um, and he's holding which one is this? The neutralizer. That that's the neutralizer, the gun okay. that sends him to limbo. Yeah. Okay, it's cool. Um, but yeah, this is a great cover. Um, even like the red negative space behind Serpentine or Serpentine. It <laughs> yeah, just, oh, it's just great. The whole thing yeah. is great. I love it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Okay, so yeah, let's uh, jump in. Okay. So I'm going to take a sip of water and I'm going to read this huge intro. Okay, you ready? <laughs> oh, you, okay. Yeah, that would be good even, to read that. I didn't even read it when I read it today, but I'm going to read it now. Okay, ready? Yeah, go ahead. 200 years ago, the evil Diarrhaths threatened this peace-loving planet, Galador. In their homeworld's darkest hour, a thousand brave young Galadorians sacrificed humanity itself to become cyborg warriors, a last desperate line of defense. Though hopelessly outnumbered, these space knights triumphed and pursued the remnants of the, ra of the Wraths horde across the universe, now alone in the enemy's mightiest stronghold on a backward planet called Earth. That's right. One Galadorian <laughs> warrior faces his most awesome challenge. Let Stan me just point Lee. out. Oh, I'm wait, sorry. Wait, wait, I got to do the yeah. Stan Lee. Stan Lee presents the greatest of the Space Knights, Rom. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was done. But yeah, the Stan Lee part. Right. But uh, let me just point out all these years later, like this came out in 1980. So 40 years later, Earth is still backward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're backward right. Planet. That's awesome. And the titer's, title is uh, The Stalker and the Knight. Yep. And we open up here with a shot of Rom at the bottom of this kind of hole, like not a hole, uh, like not like a mining shaft type thing. And he's looking up and you can see the opening of the, of the, in the ground and like the moon is above, but he's at the bottom of this like lit cave type thing. And he's just chilling out. And he's just had an, <laughs> he's not chilling out. Well, he's, he's not <laughs> chilling out. He just had an adventure, right? Yeah, he's like preparing for figure out how to get out of here. Yeah, you know, he can't. Well, first of all, let's just say this is a great shot, I think. Yes, uh, it is great. The perspective and everything is tremendous because you're seeing a, like uh, a worm's eye view looking up at Rom. Yeah. And, uh, and then at the top, we see the hole that he fell in, but we also see the moon in the hole. Yep. So Because it's, it's giving light down into the hole. So, yeah, it's just great. And cool he's like shot. dripping with water for some reason. So. Yeah, yeah. 
And then, um, like, yeah, he's talking about how his systems are numb, as if he's been ex- exposed to intense cold, colder than the depths of space. And he's kind of like leaning up against the wall because he can barely walk. And it's just such a, even that second page, what a cool shot of him just leaning up against the wall. And then it flashes back to him explaining some of the stuff you talked about, about how um, he's hunting these diorasts, but they're in human form, but he's killing them, but people think he's killing humans. And then here, this is really cool. Uh, so uh, armed with this neutralizer, Rom has been banishing these rafts to a shadowy dimension called Limbo. But to real humans, it appears that Rom has been murdering other humans. But they show him actually destroying caskets, because yeah. like, because yeah, oh, because these people are like, there's like a funeral line of like five caskets, and he's destroying them all. <laughs> kind of cool. And then, um, and then it cuts to the next shot, and he's talking about another. Uh, well- well, I guess it was in, like, he followed him to a cemetery. And right. that's where he was getting all these rafts. And it was raining out. That's why he's wet in the first picture. Right. And the rafts called on, what is this big evil bird, Michael? It's like a big shadow bird. Deathwing. A creature that <laughs> feeds on souls. Yeah, and that big bird is the one that knocked him into the grave. And then, like, the grave had a false bottom or something. And he fell all the way through. Right. Into this pit. Right. So. So cool. And so, yeah, he's, uh. So he's uh, walking through and he's narrating, and then basically, he's using his uh, That's analyzer. The analyzer. The analyzer. Yeah. He's like, I have recovered enough to start looking for an escape from this pit. I must summon my energy analyzer from hyperspace. And a, the analyzer registers enormous power. So now he's got to figure out where this power is coming from, right? Yeah, because so, it's not diorath or it's not human, but he's conf- he's confused to what it could be. So right, right. So he's got to keep walking through this uh, cave. And then we cut above. Now we're introduced to Serpentine. And this is, again, a really cool sequence. We open up with Serpentine standing at the uh, at the top of this opening. And there's the moon behind him and the tree, you know. Like, it's just a great shot. Then a close-up of him. And then he starts climbing down this opening. It's so cool. And then he gets to the bottom. And we can see Rom way in the background, like, down further in the cave. And then he just starts following him as he's narrating this head, right? Well, thought bubbles in his head. Yeah, and this serpentine fellow, he kind of crawled down the pit like Spider-Man. On right, all fours. right, right. And we should also mention that uh, in, in the interior art, he is red. On the cover, he was green. Let me just you jump know? back and check that. You're right. Now, nah, that's got to be a mistake yeah. then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I'm guessing the cover, they just screwed it up. But uh, Right, right. But yeah, it's, it's also really cool. He's also talking to himself, and he's like, he's like, you know, uh, for if the diorafts are to die, mine must be the hand that's, that slays them, and mine alone. So swears the one the rats call, the stalker in the night. So swears Serpentine. It's kind of cool <laughs> that he's using his own like, you know, nickname, but anyway, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's awesome at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it is both at the same time. <laughs> So then we cut to our supporting cast, who I don't really know. Well, them. I think that lady is Brandy Clark, right? Yeah, Brandy. Yep, Brandy. So Brandy and her boyfriend are trying to convince the cops. It's it's a, again it's a classic sci-fi thing where they're trying to convince the cops what's going on, and of course, you know, once they get to the end of the explanation, the cop is like, "Space robots, evil aliens. <laughs> I've heard enough." Right? Even though like. Yeah. Even though, like, he actually saw, he actually admits in the next panel, I only believe this ROM exists 
because I saw him vaporize Police Chief Rogers in her <laughs> yeah, own so, backyard. But why so you can't you saw believe it happen, the rest of but it? you don't believe it when they tell you about it. Right, so, right. Because, right. yeah, and that first, when he first starts getting mad, uh, he talks about uh, the space robots. And they had never mentioned space robots up to that point. So I'm like, well, how did he know the space robot? And he goes, well, I saw it with my own eyes. But right, no, all right, right, well, right. Then why don't you believe it if you saw right, it with your own right. eyes? <laughs> Ridiculous. And I guess this Brandy Clark, she was in like issue one and like she saw Rom fighting the Wraths and stuff. And so I, I don't know. I don't know if she becomes his love interest at some point. I'm guessing she does at some point. I don't probably. Know. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, so yeah, so the cops don't believe him. So she's like, oh yeah, so then the doctor, oh yeah. So then this whole time they've been talking about, um, who is it that was in the hospital? I think it was the deputy, right? Or... Okay. Okay. So then the, the doctor comes out and he's like, I'm afraid Artie Packer won't be of much help to anyone, miss. He died on the operating table five minutes ago, which is great bedside manner. That's exactly how you want to tell someone that someone they care about is dead, right? You want to be dramatic about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, he was a state but, trooper. Okay. Because the okay. sheriff was all mad. He's like, that guy who's to almost torn apart is a friend of mine. And they say, well, he was a friend of ours too, doctor, sheriff. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, they find out he's dead. Yeah, this doctor looks real sinister. Like, even in, like, when he makes the announcement, and then, like, two panels later, you see him peering out the corner of his eye. Right, Something, right. is that guy a dire wrath? I don't know. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Well, then we cut to the next panel. Then we, we, get, we get a great shot of this doctor lighting up a cigarette. <laughs> right in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, and feel like, and it's not, it's not just a little bit of smoke. The whole room fills with smoke. It's hilarious. 1980. How yep. things have changed. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, so, oh, yeah. So then the, the this is the, the detective, I guess. And he's talking about how he's like, hey, uh, he's like, by the way, uh, are you Scorpio by any chance? Yes. Why? <laughs> oh, I'm on my way to Washington with these birth records. Well, it seems all the men killed by that wrong were born on the same day, November 9th, 1943. Funny, huh, Doc? Yes, that's quite a coincidence. Yeah, he's got to be a dire wrath, right? Yeah, and maybe when they're so. filling out their paperwork, they just filled in the same birthday for everybody. Right. But that guy's that guy's the coroner, I guess. He was. Uh, oh, okay. Because he asked him if he has an autopsy for the murders. So, I don't uh -huh. know. But yeah, they're all born on the same day. Guess it's just a coincidence. Yeah. Nothing fishy going on there. <laughs> so, Not very good at covering their tracks there, eh? Um, there's something else. Oh, I guess we should say a Brandy and her boyfriend, they got arrested because they're somehow getting blamed for the death of somebody. Um, one of, the, one they, of the ones that Rom vaporized, one of the caskets? Or? Yeah, something like that. Like someone Rom vaporized, they're getting blamed for it. So. Right, okay. Um, anyway, all right, so we're back underground now in that tunnel, the underground um, right. rare. So now, yeah, so Rom is doing some further investigation, and he comes across a pile, uh, he comes across an ashen heap, the remains of rats who were slain while in human form. And then we see some skeletons, right? Yep. And then, uh-oh, someone's coming from behind. So his sensors start, well, his eyes start glowing, right? So that means something's going on. And he turns around, and he's like, by Galador, what manner of creature are you? And then we see Serpentine standing there. I am Serpentine. The one-eyed, <laughs> the stalker yeah. in the night, the last. Yeah, of my he says time. he's serpentine. The one-eyed, but I don't know. I could have sworn I saw his other eye a few times in here. Yeah, because we always see his left know. eye. His right eye is usually in shadow, but I swear we saw it once or twice. <laughs> yeah, good point. And like, I don't know why he has that detail, but whatever. 
So then he comes down, and of course, the first thing he does is he explains his origin, right? Yes, a lot of exposition in this issue. Yes, so basically we find out that during a nuclear bomb test, some lizards were exposed to radiation, and they evolved and became intelligent. They became this race and encountered Ms. Marvel, which means I probably read the story because I, I marathoned Ms. Marvel a couple years ago. Um, and they were mostly terrible, though, so I kind of skim-read them. But anyway... Well, I guess uh, the military tried to come down and, and kill them all, and they right. enslaved the humans, so then Miss Marvel came to, you know, right everything, right all the wrongs. Right, right, right. <laughs> right, and so um, basically, he's like, at her suggestion, one of our leaders hypnotically erased all memory of our race from the minds of the freed humans. Right, so, yeah, so I guess then they were fine for a while, but then the dire wraiths came and killed their entire race, right? Yeah, and here a lot of the dire wraiths look like, uh, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they just look like green, Purple like, dudes like with goblins. red hoodies. Yeah, yeah like a green <laughs> goblin or something, you're right, you're right. Yeah. And it's funny because usually Marvel is very particular about giving issue numbers, but it doesn't say where these issues were so that's obviously an issue of ms marvel but the next one was an issue of what uh, was it rom i don't know I, I don't think it's an issue of anything i think they're just doing a flashback okay like, yeah he's just filling yeah. in on what happened but yeah the okay. dire rats came down into their cavern and they just slaughtered them all so yeah i don't so know he... why was there a motivation why they killed him uh, i can't remember uh they slew all who stood in the path warriors and breeders the old and the last Unhatched. No, I don't know. Yeah. I guess they're just dicks. There's Diorath. Oh, it's because mm -hmm. they wanted a base. So basically, the Diorath heard about them, and then one of the guys is like, it sounds like a perfect location for Wrath bases. Then it oh, shall okay. be ours. So they just wanted a base. So they went and killed everybody. <laughs> so this guy is the last of his race now. And yep. then and then um, he's like, well, I want to be the one to kill them all. And Rom's like, well, I've got this weapon that actually just sends them to limbo and doesn't kill them. So I'm going to do that instead. How about that? And he's like, I bid you peace, stalker, in the night. And then, the, and then Serpentine's like, well, screw this. No, I want to be, <laughs> be, you know, I want to kill them. So then he just uses his sword to, like, attack Rom from behind, right? Yeah, and, and Rom's a... Uh what did I call it, Plandanium armor or whatever? Yeah. It's like super strong. Like even Wolverine couldn't cut it with his uh, claws, I guess. Oh, really? Okay. Y yeah, we should mention that Rom is firmly uh, established in the Marvel Universe. So. Oh, yes, yes. I've yeah. actually bought some issues that have like X-Men in them. There's some with the Hulk, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Firmly planted in the Marvel Universe, you're right. Yep. So, yeah, so he attacks him behind this with, with this big giant splash page. Rom is getting attacked. Yeah, I and like then that. He's like, awesome. Yeah, it's a good shot, yep. And then we get back to... Then Rom's like, I do not understand you, creature. What does it matter who banishes the rats as long as we are rid of them? If it doesn't matter to you, then give me your neutralizer, Space Knight. Vengeance will be mine. So now we're on page 13, and we have the conflict for the rest of the issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Right? But yeah, yeah, there you go. Fisticuffs. So yep. now we get this really, really long fight scene... Uh, of basically these two fighting in this cave, you know, tumbling into this, well, you know, pond. Like a, yeah, like a whirlpool or something. Yeah, and, whirlpool. Uh, so they're sinking down into the water, and Rom fires up his rocket uh, boosters to fly, mm -hmm. but not to fly out of the water, just to make the water hot. And cool. then <laughs> and that makes Serpentine jump out of the water because he wants to get out of the hot water. Right. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. 
Well, I don't know how smart it is, because really how... I mean, that's a large body of water. That would take a lot of rocket boosting to make it hot, right? I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't no, know. it doesn't look... It's not huge. It's only like... It's like a little... It's like a little... It's like the size of... It's like 20, 10 feet across, it looks like. But you got to think depth. Oh, volume. I wasn't thinking depth. See what I'm saying? Because okay. they sunk yeah. down pretty deep. Okay. But, uh, right. Because um, earlier he couldn't fly out of the pit because his rocket boosters were like weak. They weren't oh, ready. Okay. Okay. But now they're ready to turn all the water boiling hot. So Serpentine right. jumps out, and then Serpentine pulls out a gun and he shoots a, a chunk of the ceiling on Rom, but he catches it and then whips it right. at Serpentine. Oh, this is great stuff. And then, <laughs> and then he Serpentine shoots the uh, big chunk of debris, so it busts into little bits. But one of the bits just cracks him in the uh, arm, and uh, he loses his gun. Right. And the whole time, Serpentine is narrating what what's happening. <laughs> He's hurling the stony slab at me. I must shatter it. Ah, a chunk of it knocked my weapon out of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Not exactly high literature, but it's good stuff. <laughs> then what does Rom say? You got to think before you attack. Again, Serpentine. We should be combating the rats, not each other. That's right. But yeah, this is all good. Yeah, this is all good stuff. It's all choreographed fighting, right? So Rom does random. like a uh, Bill Goldberg spear on him and tackles him to the ground. And he gets on top. He, he gets mount. Top position, Michael. UFC terms. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, he's going about to do some ground and pound. And then what happens here? What does... Uh... Yeah, what does Serpentine or Serpentine do? I think he... Does he stab him with his tail? Oh, yeah. He cracks him in the back with his tail, right? Right. Yeah, flexing his powerful tail, Serpentine snaps Rom's spine back sharply. But then Rom throws him across the cave, and then Serpentine smashes into one of those things. Stalagmites. Right? There you go, stalagmites. stalagmites. And then Serpentine picks up the stalagmite. And yeah, because it's real sharp and pointy. Yeah. Right, it's like a huge, giant like sword, kind of, but bigger. And he's like running towards Rom... But then as he's running, uh-oh, what happens? Uh-oh, he hits a skull of a skeleton that happens to be there. And he's like, no, no, I'm slipping. Arg! And then we cut away to Rom's reaction. No, because just as he's falling, we see that he's about to land on a, what did you call it again? Well, the stalagmite tip fractured off, but oh, stuck that's in the what, ground. Yeah, right, yeah. and it happens to be pointing up. <laughs> just as Goes he's right falling. into his chest. Right into right, his so, chest. Yeah. So we cut to the, now it's the next moment, and now he's already laying on his back with this thing through his chest. Uh, and then he's like, Serpentine has fallen, plunging his stony spear into his own breast. <laughs> yeah, and again, still... that's Rom saying that. That's not a narrator right, right. saying that. Yeah, that's... it's Rom saying it, right, explaining. <laughs> Yet he lives. Perhaps there is still time to save him. No, Rom, it is too late. But the madness has passed. You were right. I was driven crazy by the thought of being alone, the last of my race, a friendless avenger in a lonely world. That's how I feel about myself. Do not grieve for me, Space Knight. I go to join my people. Then we get the classic Marvel walking away shot. Rom yep. just walking away, leaving there. And he's like, then go in peace, tormented creature, with the prayers of one who understands your anguish and shares your solitude. The end. Yeah. Because Rom's alone on Earth as well, the only yep. one of his kind. That's why, come on, Serpentine, you guys could have been friends. Yeah, you know? it could have been. Could have been. Like a buddy cop movie, tracking down the dire rats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. It would have so been yeah, great. That's it. it felt short. Like 17 19. pages. 17 pages. Yeah. Uh, wow. Now how do you handle an angry alien? 
try the United States Air Force. Next issue, Warrior over Washington. Ah, mm. uh, okay. <laughs> so, oh, and look, the letters page is called Space Notes. Space cool. Notes. Clever. Well, there it is, Rom. How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh. Add some steam, sizzle, and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. Yep. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, the writing here, I, you see what Shooter's talking about with Bill Mantlo. Like, it's not, like, some of it's good. Like, I guess the basic plot and the uh, idea behind it, these two lone survivors of their races fighting each other, um, is pretty cool. Serpentine's death scene is, like, ridiculous. But, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, but I like the little speech he gives when he's dying and Rom. That's all good stuff. Uh, the dialogue, again, they're like narrating what happens. They're not really interacting as you should when you're writing dialogue. Um, no. The thing is, is I've on Here Comes the Spider Cast, I have reviewed about 50 comics written by Bill Mantlo. And uh, all I can say is that he's definitely capable of being good, but he's... He's also capable of being just really mediocre, and this is kind of in the middle, I think. Like, yeah, the, write, the writing here is not great by any stretch. Um, right. Sabusima's art, I really enjoyed. Yeah. It's um, classic Sal art, you know. Um, not like earth-shattering, but just very professional, very well done. Yeah. And uh, we had the great splash page of Serpentine cracking him in the back with a sword. A lot right. of good perspective shots, like that opening splash page as well. And right. uh, Sal said he enjoyed drawing Rom. Uh, he had fun doing it, and he said it was he found it easy to draw the character because mm. he's a robot, so <laughs> he thought it was easier. But yeah, right. uh, he liked it, and he was doing so much stuff. Like, any idea how many books he was doing in 1980? Well, I mean, I that's what doesn't add up in my head. I'm thinking, okay, if he did 75 or whatever. 50 issues of Rom. I know he did like 50 issues of the Hulk as well. He also did 50 yeah. issues of Spider-Man, if not 100. So he must have been doing more than one book a month, right? Yeah, I think he was doing three or four at, at least. Wow. Because um, okay. he was just very like uh, workmanlike, you know, he could just crank them out. Right, but, right, um, right. So you're not going to get like 10 out of 10 art, but you're going to get very solid art, you know? Like, right, right. So, so yeah, I like the art. I thought Rom's an interesting character. I like his backstory. I like uh, his his look. Um, like <clears throat> like in wrestling, Mike, you say, hey, well, you, you look for their look. Can they work in the ring? And are they good on the mic? You know? So mm -hmm. for Rom, he's got a good look. Uh, he, he can work in the ring. We saw him with Serpentine. He was doing good work. A lot of good fighting scenes. <laughs> but he's not so good on the mic. <laughs> his dialogue's not that great. Right. <laughs> good point. <Yeah. laughs> but other than that, I enjoyed it. You know? Yeah, I mean, their characters are well-defined. There's some good subplotting going on. I guess my only criti biggest criticism is that the, it's really half the book is a fight scene. Well, that's so, not a criticism. That is a oh, selling point. Is. I wish there was more of that subplot. I mean, we really only get 
two pages of that subplot. The rest is just Rom. That's in a plenty. Time. That's yeah. plenty. I don't, I don't want to see. I don't want buy Rom to see humans. I buy Rom to see robots, cyborg robots, fighting lizards. That's what yeah. I want to see. And it was awesome. I mean, it was definitely enjoyable, but yeah, kind of like this is like baseline Marvel, as I call it. It's just, it's definitely not bad, but it's not great. But it's solid Marvel. Like if you want, uh, if you just want, you know, a peanut butter sandwich, this is it. Right <laughs> you know? Oh no, I'm slipping. And he breaks the, the stalagmite right into his chest. Right, uh, right. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. But I, I might read more ROM. I don't know. I kind of uh, was intrigued. Even though the writing was pretty awful. Um, I don't know. I'm, well, it's like I'm we said, it's a more. really cool concept, you know. And I've read a few issues and it's definitely interesting. So, yeah, it's probably worth reading. So, what would you give a 1 out of 10, Michael? Woo! Uh, I guess in the grander scheme of things, it might be a five, but I'm going to give it a six just because, you know, like I said, even mediocre Marvel is still great. It's still Sal Buscema, so yeah, I'll give it a six. I'll give it a six as well. I was thinking about going seven, but that's probably a little much. But uh, yeah, because I like Sal's art. The character's great. Um, so yeah, I'll give it a six. Six seems about right, you know? So, yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. All right, Michael, next week. Okay. So, you, I, I gave you some hints. You guessed Smurfs. I said you were close. <laughs> yeah, give me another hint. <laughs> uh, I said that it was a series we've already reviewed. Is it Marvel Team Up? No. Hmm. Can I give you one more hint? Sure. Okay. Uh, one more hint. This features a character that at the time was in a comic book that was canceled. That's the only other hint I'll give you. What? <laughs> so okay, confused. last hint, last hint. I like to tie things into numbers, right? Next week's episode okay. is number 66, which Ooh. in my head sounds like 666, which is oh, the in number my of... head, it sounds like Mario Lemieux. We're doing no, the No, that's not what I was thinking. Mario Lemieux. No. This is going to be awesome. No. Can't wait. What? No. Number... Is it Damien Hellstrom? Close! I was gonna pick him, but I Ghost went even Rider? more literal. More literal. The number of the beast. It's <laughs> oh. Amazing Adventures number eleven, featuring the first appearance of the furry beast. Oh, dun, dun, dun. oh! But yeah. Beast isn't satanic. He's just Beast. No, but his name is the Beast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. A sign of the Beast is the devil. I know. I would, that's why I was gonna pick Son of Satan, but I didn't. Whatever. Yeah. Hey, didn't they uh, make a Damien Hellstrom like TV show or something right now? Like on. Uh, you know what? I think you might be right. Yeah. Yeah, I and think I saw I... it on Hulu or something. I, I, maybe I should give that a whirl. I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's gonna be like I, I think I heard it's kind of like the end of the current iteration of like Marvel TV, and then they're gonna fix it all later because because they're unifying the TV and the movies after this. I think that's what I heard. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So. But I might pick a Hellstrom comic here soon because, um, again, he was that was like the seventies, right? Wasn't he in the seventies? Uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, Son of Yeah, he was introduced yeah. in Ghost Rider, so like early seventies yeah. for sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, make sure say the name of the issue again. Adventure once, whatever. What it's is it? Ad Ad Amazing Adventures number eleven. And this is the first appearance of the blue furry beast. Yep. I'm sending you the issue right now. 
Right. It is dr- written by, not that it matters, but it's written by Jerry Conway and drawn by Tom Sutton. Tom Sutton. I'm not familiar. What? He, I think he did like issues of Star Trek or something. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't know him. All right. So that's next week. The, uh, hey. what did he, what was his little catchphrase? Uh, oh, oh my, my stars, stars and garters. And garters. Right? Yep. Yeah. And this is again. This is during the time when X Men was canceled, so we were just getting, you know, flashes of X Men guest starring in other comics, and this is one of them. So, and then later we had uh, we did that. Wasn't he in the Champions issue we reviewed? Oh, that's right. I think he was. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, cool. the Blue Furry Beast was just bouncing around. Then he was a, an Avenger for a while, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, then X Factor came back with X Factor, but he got a big bottle of Nair. And he got rid of all the blue fur. <laughs> yeah. There so. you go. All right, Michael. Woo! Can't guess wait. that wraps up another episode, eh? Sure. That's right. Another episode of Flea Market Fantasy. That was one of our shorter ones. Like I said, that comic was definitely short. Only, yeah. uh, what was it, nine, 17 pages, you said? or 17. Yep. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I guess that wraps up another episode of Flea Market Fantasy. Every week, we review a different Bronze Age comic. One week Mike Dell picks, one week I pick. Uh, you can find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, under Comic Book Syndicate. You can find us under Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and the Comic Book Syndicate website. So until next Tuesday, disperse! How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh. Add some steam, sizzle, and spice. (laughs) Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.